Yeah, still in a bit of a. Alrighty, so we are welcome back to the Neighborhood Radio. Um, today we're here with uh, Jamie Stewart. How's it going, Jamie? How's your uh, Monday? Monday been? It's good. It's been busy, but but been good. Busy. How, how are you guys doing? Um, yeah, it's eight a.m. here, so pretty pretty much just woke up, but we're um we're good. Eight a.m. Tuesday. It's one p.m. Monday here for me, and I. <laughs> Went for a run, so I did everything I needed to. I'm solid. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> How was your? Uh, you guys just got back from tour. How was that? It went. Uh, it went surprisingly well. Um, we, you know, it's, it's sort of like second round of mm-hmm. shows after the you know, so the records went out. Blast records went out for a little bit, a little while. So we weren't expecting the turnouts to be as good. And a couple of cities we had, we went to uh, for the second time, but uh, all the turnouts were. Are, uh, were really good and uh i think we played okay mm-hmm. nobody died um you know <laughs> that's the, good the, that's the, important the, yeah the three of most important things of going on tour yeah okay. in that order as well it's like did pretty good people came out yeah yeah and then nobody died yeah got you, got you yeah got yeah you. <laughs> you have your priorities straight absolutely <laughs> so um what was it like so you said it was the second sort of second round of of shows do you, so do you like when you do like a second round do you sort of feel like a lot more comfortable with the new material uh well half and half i mean uh, we with the, with every tour we we don't want to play the exact same songs again so uh, a lot of the songs were the first time we had played them um so i mean we felt comfortable with the things we had already played but that was you know 50 percent of them but it, it also it can I don't want to say that you go on autopilot necessarily, but it it when you're playing something new, it sort of it lights a little bit of a fire under your ass to play the older stuff with as much focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so playing the new stuff helps reinvigorate some of the things that we have made or have played a hundred times. Yeah, awesome. So like when you guys are touring a new album, what's the sort of the split between new material and old old material? It's never been that consistent. Um, in 2014, we had a record called Angel Guts Red Classroom, and I think we played a 15-song set, and I think 13 of the songs. I think we played like almost the entire record. Um, or when we did that Twin Peaks, when we did the Twin Peaks tour, uh, we just you know we we just played that entire record. Yeah. Uh, I think on on this tour, I think because the songs were so particular, and we didn't because it was the last the record before this oh no came out during covid so we didn't get a chance to tour that record at all mm-hmm. so we probably did like an equal number of songs from oh no and from ignore grief the, mm-hmm. the newest one um probably normally we would have done maybe like a third of the set would have been from the new record and the rest the older stuff but it was kind of half and half between them, the two most recent records yeah. and that a bunch of the stuff from before yeah and how far back do you sort of go when it comes to old material to the beginning on this, <laughs> on this tour we played uh the first shushu song that we ever wrote uh and the first song from the first record so oh we wow went to the, the ultra beginning Damn. what do you personally classify as the uh beginning of shushu because i know for some artists they can be working on a project or working in a band and it can 
take a few years to really feel like solid and cemented in their life, but with a project that's been going on for as long as this one has, do you feel like your your first song was your beginning? Was there a night that really cemented it in your mind for you? What uh can you tell us a bit about I that? I guess I guess it was probably it was probably uh I mean officially our official start date is when the first record came out, so two thousand two. Okay. Um but there had been just a lot of amorphous crossover between mm-hmm. other bands that Corey McCulloch is the person I started shooting with. He and I ran other stuff mm-hmm. um, that kind of morphed its way into becoming Shushu, but wasn't necessarily declared as Shushu at the time. So the beginning is the actual beginning is a little amorphous. So just to make it a little bit tidy, we'll say that. But I do very clearly um, remember the first song that we ever, that ever was uh mm-hmm. officially a shooter song was called jennifer lopez which was on a an ep called chapel of the chimes but i do oh, very man. clearly remember working on it uh, and thinking it seemed very separate from the other stuff that we were that Corey and i and some other people who were in a uh, band called tenemus mm-hmm. uh it seemed very separate from very different in a, in a different approach than than that band i thought okay this is a new yeah, you know, a step in a different direction, or you know, and it goes into a different mental folder. Yeah, yeah. We have a comment from Aiden saying Chapel slaps so hard. So <laughs> that's nice. thank you, thank you, Aiden. I appreciate that. Go ahead, Zika interrupted. Um, I was just gonna ask. Um, so obviously, since starting Shushu, there's been um quite a number of lineup changes um over the years. Um, I was wondering uh if it becomes like what it's like to consistently sort of execute your vision but with such a range of different collaborators like coming in and out over the years it's a it's a mixed thing the live situation is kind of a pain in the ass Mm. uh just because it it you know requires rehearsing and getting to know how to play with a whole new set of people which i mean it you know almost never does a band sound good in their first you know a couple of years you know and a lot of some of the lineups lasted you know all of one tour mm. um but the the current one has 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 been a, has been around for a couple of years with david kendrick and i mean angela has been in I mean, she's been in the band since 2010 has just been able to tour sporadically but now she's fully back in which i'm really happy about as as a touring and recording member so that part of it is a pain in the ass just sort of dealing with you know, different personalities having to teach someone who doesn't know the songs you know the set of songs and just getting to know people and you know touring is not the most healthy social environment so just dealing with all that kind of bs um yeah but in some ways it can it's really interesting because i think you know we have you know we have been playing shows at this point for 21 years which makes me want to throw up when i say it <laughs> you know so I, I, hopefully it makes it interesting yeah. for people who've been coming you know that yeah. whole time that they get to see some variation and approaches and uh and feelings and then also i mean some of the people who have come and gone have been extraordinarily inspiring players so they i've learned a lot from them and they have really expanded what the possibility of you know the band could be or really radically developed you know the the palette and the approach or you know causes to make really you know big changes in direction yeah um so you know it's 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 a two-way street I remember, um, like, well, uh, you know, just you said that some of the people involved have been, um, 
like inspiring um and just like uh, an- anecdotally um i saw uh you guys perform in 2017 um with my little sister um and she was a drummer at the time um and the drummer that you guys had um uh at, like influenced her playing style and stage presence and everything. oh that's nice I'm, I'm glad to hear it that's cool um so yeah that was really cool yeah yeah, we have people coming in saying they've seen Shushu live. Let's see what this is. We've had uh, a couple Salt Lake shows four times in LA, all with different lineups completely. Um, uh, Jamie, you a solo show, then you and Angela's a duo, a four-piece band, and then a three-piece band. Those are the LA shows. Uh, I had someone I don't really know from Germany message me today talk about... Um, seeing y'all with another act seven years ago and it sticking with them as one of uh one of their favorite live performances that's really um, nice to hear that's very sweet yeah, to yeah there's a a wide range of uh of people from all over the place that remember shoe shoe shows live um do you what goes into kind of creating the live performance because obviously it's more than just playing songs uh what does a live performance mean to you when you're doing this music well i wouldn't say that it's not just playing songs but it's the manner the manner in which one plays songs okay um which for us and there's no not horny way to say it but for us it just just playing, just putting everything we have into it all of the time and at every show. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who've lasted one tour had a tendency to, or phoning it in was acceptable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, therefore, they got fired. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, we rehearse a lot. The songs are not technically difficult to play, but the arrangements are usually incredibly intricate. There's a lot of for lack of a better word, subtlety to the arrangements. So they're they're very difficult to learn, even though the parts aren't hard to play. They're just the, how they're organized can be tricky. Yeah. Um. Uh. So you know we practice a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, basically we just feel like shit the entire time we're on tour because we're like <laughs> smashing our faces yeah. into a block of granite every single night. Um. <laughs> that's how that's you give the, it your all, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just give myself a concussion, and I, you know, these are dentures. This is a fake nose, right? Yeah, it makes one, sense. Yeah, one, one fake eye, and a rubber, because like Shushu is a band, and then football player for like worst concussion protocol. <laughs> I think. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not even close. Yeah. You okay? Go ahead, Zeke. Uh, I was just gonna um, ask. Um, so when I saw you guys in 2017, so I saw you guys at Dark Mofo. Um, performing the Twin Peaks um, album, I was wondering if you remember if you remember that show. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Yeah. I yeah. have a weirdly good memory for shows, but obviously that's a very you know playing in Tasmania's yeah, oh, awesome. particular yeah. thing to do. Yeah. And that festival also, and then and then the next night, one of my favorite bands of all time played on that same stage. So yeah. it, it was, I remember everything cool. about it. I I know about them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the whole, and also one of my closest friends is one of the curators and we spent a lot of time with him. So oh, cool. I remember it very clearly. Yeah. What did you think of Tasmania? Oh, it was, you know, it was, it's 
it was incredible. I mean, obviously, it's a totally singular place. We did have a chance to walk around in nature a little bit, and yeah, in uh, as a as a nerdy nature goth, you know, there's some things there that I've <laughs> never seen anywhere else on Earth. So yeah. it was quite moving. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, I was. Um, yeah, that was such a such an awesome show. Like, I still like. I still vividly like remember it. I was only fifteen or sixteen. Oh, I think. Thanks. Um, but Thank you. It was awesome. Thank you. Okay, we have we have viewer questions flying in. Oh my lord. Okay. All right, Zeke. I'm gonna pick them at random. Okay. I'm gonna start with got no questions. Just hope y'all are doing well today. That's a good question. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I hope you are doing well as well. Fielded like a champion. Um. um um, I was gonna say, um, we have someone who's asked, um, how do you, how do you guys decide on what approach you want to take on your albums? Uh, but for example, how forget was abrasive pop, or deciding to cover the Twin Peaks soundtrack, or um, so on and so forth. Uh, so as, let's see, it's kind of a long answer, and I'll try to have it be concise. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the time we st- <laughs> this is. All right, this yes. is going to be ridiculous. Go the for time it. We, we started the band uh, with the first record, which was Nightplay, until about 2012. That mm-hmm. record was called Always. Um, we just basically wrote 10 or 12 songs, and that was the record. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2012, uh, John Congleton, who's a friend of mine and a, and a superb, 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 superb record producer mm-hmm. and mixer, was mixing that record. And he said, oh, you know, for for this next record, you should do a record that sounds like Suicide. And it had never occurred to me to, like, have an idea about what the record would be before yeah. we did it. Um, and so that was, to like, it determined or come up with very, very specific parameters before beginning something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that record became Angel Cuts Free Classroom. And it wasn't only, I mean, if you listen to it, it's very clearly deeply influenced by Suicide and a couple other bands, and we also had some other very specific parameters. But since then, we have really appreciated that approach. And it, I kind of think of everything from 2002 to 2012 as sort of chapter one and everything from 2000, mm-hmm. maybe maybe 13, because we did that Nina record, which was a sort of transition thing. From 2014 until now is before we, before we really, really knuckle down on a record, we generally have a clear idea about what it's going to be. We might do some sketches and fuck around with a lot of stuff um, and kind of hope that the goddess of music will sort of pour the idea about what the record is going to be into our minds. But um, before any major decisions are made and any real genuine recording is done, we'll come up with some pieces as to what some things are going to be. But there's not, other than the Twin Peaks record, there really wasn't any, There we try not to have there be any conscious deciding until we try just to, like I said, to sort of mm-hmm. let it come from space, let it come yeah. from the muse, and then it will eventually, and there's no way to say this without seeming like a total tool, but there's, please do. it just, it feels like, okay, this is the answer. Yeah, and Angela and I will usually talk about it, um, and you know sometimes maybe you know we get like we have like twenty five percent of a bunch of sketches, but nothing is really finished. You know, and maybe it'd be at that point and we we'll see what it's turning into, and we we'll go, okay, it seems to be becoming this. Do we want to have 
the record be approached this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way, and that's the sort of parameters that it will it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just a lot about trying to get out of the way about what it's developing, but also to be very observant as to what parts seem to be coming back and what parts seem to be interesting and what parts seem genuine. Um, and you know, also for us, what things have we not done before? I mean, not that we're doing stuff that no one has ever done before, but what are, right. what are things we haven't approached before or explored mm-hmm. that we feel like we could really devote ourselves to doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, with the Twin Peak, with the Twin Peaks record, um, uh, that's a whole other long story. But that was yeah. that was a, a, that was a commission. Obviously, a very particular thing. Yeah, yeah, from awesome. the yeah. Goldman yeah. Did you guys? So, were you a Twin Peaks fan before? Um, before that oh yeah oh yeah they're they're like if i was gonna name four things that sort of define that sort of define what shushu is twin peaks would be would be one of those things what did you think what did you think of the return (laughs) my favorite my favorite david lynch thing of all time yes and one of my favorite works of art ever finally yeah i literally the return i literally always say it's like my favorite like piece of media like out of all the albums all the movies everything that i like the return is it's like, the best thing to, yeah. to me it's the best thing he's ever done yeah yeah i agree it's and will ever do and i, w- I was disappointed. hopefully not hopefully not <laughs> i was disappointed that not to see you guys show up in the ro- in the roadhouse i was like hoping um i kind i kind of i I've, i did know a couple bands who did end up doing it but i knew that we wouldn't because we are too influenced by Twin Peaks, and I mm. think it's too obvious. Mm. Um, I, I mean, everybody who is in it, I think, are bands that inspire David Lynch, mm. whereas we are a band who is very clearly and obviously inspired by David Lynch. So it didn't really, it would be too much of a. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I was, like, loop, yeah. I was like, surely, like, you're going to show up performing Falling or something. <laughs> um, it would have been, uh, obviously, it would have been yeah. a dream come true, but I didn't yeah. expect it. Yeah, no, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Alrighty. Oh um, wow. We've got. Mm, I will, yeah, we've got quite a few questions say, from um, Mudmun. A fan in chat. Coming in with some very, very well worded questions. Um, um, I'll start with this one. Uh, Juju is such a diverse project, both sonically and lyrically, that I wonder what begins first, writing or music, and how do you decide on what sound and texture fits the mood on some songs, such as Rump this room so i know you answered a bit on the beginning of the creative process and kind of not getting in the way letting the ideas come and then working with that sort of constraint from there but sonically how does the the combination sort of come together it's huge it's it's not dissimilar from the conception of the record um Mm -hmm. i try not to think all that much when i'm working on music and just play and react to things more than um than try to be too analytical about it. Um, we have just over time we've amassed a lot of equipment, um, mm-hmm. and we'll just start plugging things in together. I'm probably more interested in timbre than I am in any other aspect of music. Okay. Um, so timbre for me is as part as a big as big a part of songwriting as is harmony and as are you know, lyrics and melody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, so there will be occasions where the song I'll make some crazy fucking sound that I'm like, oh, I, ooh, this made my day, <laughs> and I think, okay, now I need to fit this, make this into music somehow. Yeah. Um, you know, but then in, in the other direction, then I'll just be like playing guitar and weeping mm-hmm. and you know whatever, have a 
black hat on and some drinking a bottle of wine with a candle and you know that song will emerge um and then we'll you know need to figure out which timbre fits with you know with this course in a more traditional way but it's Absolutely. again and i don't want to sound like a broken record but it's a lot about mm-hmm. getting out of the way and just not mm-hmm. thinking about it so much and okay this sound feels right for this song or this sound i think supports this particular emotion yeah um and it's the first part of the question um lyrics or music first it's usually they usually kind of happen in parallel mm-hmm. lately it's been working on music and then just writing a bunch of lyrics at the same time and then as the songs develop trying to figure out which sort of yeah. piles of words or ideas fit with that particular music and i think because they're happening concurrently they're sort of part of the same and so with you know the... f- flow or whatever <laughs> yeah. like and... such a dick sorry yeah, dude, i think at this point you're it's too late. very much supposed to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so with the with that process, so obviously with Ignore Grief, that was um, the first record I believe where Angela had half the songs um, vocally. Um, oh yeah, yeah. She she sang on. She's done some kind of backing vocals, and she sang. Yeah. We did a duet on yeah. two two other two other records, but this is she sang full on. So so yeah. how did that process? How did having her be a much more prominent voice on the record? Did that change the that process much at all? Like, how did that? Oh, uh, it certainly changed how the vocal parts were written. I mean, Angela has a very particular singing style. Um, and so we, we, we definitely had to figure out a way to, you know, write vocal parts that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that supported that rather than, you know, I mean, it would be pointless for us to write things that, I mean, as a, you know, to, to write things that, that just that she couldn't do or wouldn't want to do or didn't feel right to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess those we've had to a little bit more technically minded yep. with that at first and then we, once we sort of cracked the code then it, mm-hmm. it we were able to refer to our business as usual yeah, <laughs> yeah. imagine walking into an that answer, that answer that question yeah yeah no, that's good okay absolutely all right i this question came in from uh somebody viewing actually yesterday and i've been very excited to ask this one because i think it's very well worded Uh, So I'm going to read this in my best Jeopardy host impersonation. Um, Shushu is known for incorporating non-musical sources, like balloons, whistles, Game Boys, vibrators, on record and in live performances. So Aiden wants to know, are there any sounds like that on recordings that nobody has been able to identify? Are there any uses of these unconventional sounds that you're particularly proud of? Uh, there was a bunch of sounds on Ignore Grief that I couldn't remember how <laughs> we were mixing it. Yeah. When I okay. had to title the, the track, I just had to come up with some new name for it. Uh-huh. Um, I'm proud of that one that I stumped even myself, even though I made it. <laughs> <laughs> made music you can't class. even make again. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, my. Yeah, I can't imagine making something that is... What's that word? You know, IR is a prefix and it doesn't feel like it should be a prefix sometimes. Ear, not replaceable. Repeatable? Irrepeatable? Is that a word? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know English. I know what you're getting at, but I'm not sure. Good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. And what what was the song title of that? Uh, What is the name uh, of that song? 
I'm really terrible at remembering song titles, which is kind of pathetic. I can't remember what what song it was on, but I do remember working on the on the on the, the record. It's in uh, it's in like the the outro of one of the songs on. Um, I can't remember. Okay, so everyone should just go listen to that whole album over and over. Yeah. Just to scour it and find it, and then come back to us. Understood. <laughs> Okay. Uh, another question coming in from Aiden. That thank you, Aiden, again for wording these questions so well. They're very fun to read. Um, the name of the band and an album title, Angel Guts Red Classroom, are both film references. I know we've talked about David Lynch a little bit already, but could you name some of your biggest influences outside of music? Oh, sure. Uh, the film one is tough only because a I'm really bad at remembering titles, but also it was yeah. I mean, it would be a very very long list. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, I tend to I tend to lean pretty hard on on classics. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna watch or look at something or read something. Um, I am, you know, ninety percent of my reason for doing it is to try to steal something for Shushu from doing it. So I definitely, yeah. I'm like, I want, I want it to be a profound experience. Yeah. I mean, I watch like garbage TV when I'm, you know, cleaning the kitchen or right. whatever. But if I'm sitting down and not doing anything else and really watching a movie, I, I want to look at something that has stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so. Werner Herzog, Ossbender, mm-hmm. I really like. Uh, some next in film named Claudia Yosa, who made a couple of things that blew my brains out. Okay. Um, again, I'm I'm not I'm really bad at lists. Like if I if mm-hmm. I got, if I got this in an email, I could use the internet. So yeah, I, 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 feel, um, I feel that. Yeah, sorry. I mean, there's some artists that I that mm-hmm. I. A visual artist I find really inspiring, like uh, mm-hmm. Tom Finland or Ellsbury Kelly or mm-hmm. uh, Kara Walker, Agnes Martin, um, Henry Darger, Forrest Bess, oh, yeah. um, Ben Hang, uh, a lot of European religious medieval art. Mm-hmm. Um, is a, a photographer I, who I really, really love named Shomei Tomatsu. Um, and then... Uh, you know, eating is very inspiring to me. Uh, I've, yes, I've, which is one of the worst things about having moved to Berlin is the food here is terrible. Okay, it's really kind of killing me. <laughs> I, we were prepared um, for this. I, I, that's funny you mentioned that because I watched um, an interview with you um, from close. Where I complained about this in interviews before. Yeah, Jesus. no, I, I watched an interview. Yeah, closer to when Ignore, Lame. Ignore Grief came out, um, and I was going to ask whether. Um, your opinion on Berlin food had changed since then, but clearly not. No, it's fucking awful. <laughs> it's, it's so heartbreaking for someone who finds food inspiring. I mean, it's not impossible. You can buy good ingredients. I mean, Angela is a great cook, and my friend that we work with a lot here named Susanna Sox is a great cook. So, I I mean, I've eaten good food at people's houses. Yeah. Um, it's just, I, I, think, I think that eating is just not a big part of the culture of Berlin, yeah. so people... I mean, there's the restaurants you go in are super beautiful, and you think, "Oh my god, this is going to be great," and it's just sort of yeah. like fine. Mm. But also, you know, I mean, I grew up in California and, and Los Angeles with, you know, it's like 
Mm-hmm. What great, are some of you know, it's like the greatest variety of food in the entire planet. And someone some of who... the best produce on Earth, so... Yeah. Someone Spoiled. who may or Spoiled may not... snobby. <laughs> someone who may or may not live in Los Angeles currently. I mean, what are some food recommendations that you would, you know, live vicariously through me if I went to go get, say, in like an hour? Oh. Uh... There's a Oaxacan restaurant called Guilaguetza that's unbelievably good. Okay. Uh, there's a Japanese place, them, uh, Otofuku in Torrance, that's unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Writing all of this down. Prior to the to pandemic, there was a place in Koreatown called... Uh, it got closed. It had tofu in the title. I can't remember what it was. Okay, gotcha. What it, was it wasn't called, like, it was like a... BCD tofu house or whatever it was. No, no, no. It wasn't a chain. It was just a gotcha. one, one spot. Um, let's see. There's a lot of great. I'm vegan except for dessert. Um, Understood. So there's a uh, there's a lot of great ice cream there. Mm-hmm. I'm um, very. There's a very much a vegetarian place called called La Azteca in. Okay. Um, that's some of the, the maybe the best burrito I've. In okay. Plasteca. Plasteca. Those are four right. pretty solid ones. Oh, and the Udon place called Mazda. We'll oh, okay. and Pizza Mazda. Pizza, uh, pizza Mazda. Okay. I have food for Are you going to LA? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I live here right now. So. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I thought for some reason I thought you were in Philadelphia. Oh, my fault. No worries. Okay. Where do you live? What part of town are you in? I'm in Koreatown. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this place that much everything. does you does you no good. Um, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. Oh, Beverly no. Tofu. Beverly Tofu was the name of the place. Beverly Tofu. I live right off of Beverly. That's so unfortunate. Uh, I live yeah. by... Well, my favorite restaurant here right now is Haragua. It's an El Salvadorian restaurant right on Beverly oh, cool. Western. Yeah. yeah right on. Uh, just the best pupusas I've ever had. So. Oh, that's um, that's great. Sorry to... Oh, I wish I had been there. To, to rub it in. There um, Feel free. I mean, <laughs> I go and see my family, so you know. That's I'll fair. Go. I mean, I'll spend two days visiting them. Five days. Three days visiting the food. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Um, Perfect. One of um, our viewers asked, um, "What's your favorite weird instrument?" Oh. Um. Uh, uh, there's okay. Well, there's an electric. I'll I'll answer for electronic one and an acoustic one. My favorite weird electronic instrument is uh, you know what? Do you know what a um, signal chest oscillator is? It's it's basically it looks like a lunchbox, and it just does. And people would use it just to to tune things before. Uh, mm-hmm. I can imagine what it does based on the name, but I could not. Yeah, that's. One. But there's this company called Trogotronics that took an all-tube uh, uh, signal test generator and um, just basically uh, like kitted it out with modular stuff. It's it is the most terrifying noise synth that I have ever heard in mind. It's called a Valkyrie. Um, it's completely unpredictable and mm-hmm. uh, actually it's unnerving to work with. Mm. It like the sounds are so of grading um and also the in in the in the i've probably said this ten thousand times in interviews because i'm so excited about this thing for the rest of my life 
in the directions it says do not leave it unattended because it could catch on fire and do not open it because it could kill you <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i I just put a picture of it in the chat here it just oh, good, like, okay. it looks like a space heater with a couple dials on it yeah 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 um, that and then probably yeah yeah it's 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 uh it's 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 they're they aren't cheap but it's worth every penny um yeah. and then probably for acoustic thing is i i really like uh hunting calls and kind of duck calls and just like different animal mm -hmm. uh, like uh bird whistles and things like that just they if you blow on them too hard they tend to be really unusual and if you pitch shift them they become kind of an unnameable sound so. Nate. yeah um so i guess a follow-up question from that from a different viewer is um what's your least favorite instrument you've ever used on a project Oh, uh, I mean, if it was my least favorite, I wouldn't have used it. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. What was that? Uh, I mean, there's. Cut out. Oh, so I mean, if I if I don't like it, I probably wouldn't use oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I don't know. Like, is there, I can't think of anything that like, ever been made any, it into a record that, that we you... would have kept. So there's not not been anything that you've like been thought it would be a good idea to use it but then you've tried to do it and you've been like nah like fuck this oh oh sure oh uh the recorder you know um <laughs> like i've tried i've tried again and again because i like baroque music a lot mm -hmm. um and i think in that context it sounds beautiful and we've well i mean we might have used it in like a fucked up way and like pitch shifted it but like i've tried to play regular melodies on recorder and it just always sounds mm -hmm. a little too like the renaissance fair there's just no getting away from the association yeah yeah and I know with um, I could I could probably do like three more questions if that's okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've got um a question from um a viewer called Army. Um, they were just wondering what's been influencing you musically, um, at the moment. I don't know if it's really influencing me, but I've been listening to. I don't listen to a ton of records. I'll just listen to the same stuff again and again, usually. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I've been on this, like, a, uh, 60s Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, uh, uh, Slim Harpo kick a lot, you know, um, uh, that's, that's kind of all I've been listening to. I mean, we would never play anything like that ever, but yeah. the playing is so great and the grooves are so great. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just kind of like chess, chess records, 60s blues mostly as of late but again i mean maybe it's influencing some feel or something like that but yeah um influence is almost never like direct yeah 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 i'm, mm -hmm. I'm not i'm not sure mm -hmm. uh staying in the area of sound if our, our final aiden question aiden again thank you for these questions i love the wording um they mentioned that the album Unclouded Sky includes a mix of field recordings that you captured in, I believe, Guyana in 2011. Mm -hmm. Do you have interest in producing another record that incorporates field recordings so heavily? And if so, is there like a place in the world that you want to go record some environmental? Oh, I mean, I'd, I would love to do that. We did we did use a whole lot that were recorded by uh, another Koreatown resident, a fantastic artist named Ian Wellman. Okay. Um, Shout out Korea. Uh, we used a lot of field. He made a lot of field recordings, specifically for Ignore a Group that we used on that record. Okay. Um, I mean, they, they're not featured as prominently as they are, and they're they're kind of they're throughout the record. His records are spectacular. If you if you 
are interested in extended technique use of field recordings. Ian Wellman, I cannot say enough good things about this wonderful, wonderful artist. Understood. Um, I mean, I I would go anywhere to record anything. <laughs> I mean, traveling <laughs> and and recording things are my two favorite things in the world. Awesome. I mean, I'd go to Ohio to record something. I mean, I'd, I'd go wherever. I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice. But yeah. I mean, if if the opportunity came up, if someone said, hello, we would like an audio documentary done on Columbus, Ohio, I'd do it mm -hmm. in heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some great industrial noise. Und undoubtedly. Yeah. Okay. Anywhere in the world. I mean, I wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. But if I could pick, you could pick, which is what the actual question was. Um, I guess as deep in the ocean as I could possibly get without being crushed by the pressure, if that was possible. In this world, it is. We're gonna we're gonna make that possible just for you somehow. In this hypothetical situation, I have to situation. tell you about something that Ian Wellman did. He lives, yes. unfortunately, I don't know if he still lives there, but I went to his house, and mm -hmm. it's he lives in sort of an, an older an older house, and they had a really bad termite problem, and the termites were crawling out of the walls, and he just started recording the termites. As they were crawling out of the walls where they were eating his house at the same time but then he turned it into a record um, oh, so you know just a, a testament to his uh his his uh willingness to throw down absolutely while the safety and structure of his house crumbles around him he will still make <laughs> we have his yeah. band camp linked in the chat as well for oh, everyone here who wants to go check it out i will be checking out ian moment after this all right zeke I'll I'll field the you you sent the email I'll field the the final question to you. Um, it's all yours. I uh, I guess my question. Um, actually, that's a lot of pressure. A lot of being put on be, the spot here. A lot of being put on the spot here. Nothing ever has to be good. They've all they've all been good. Every all the questions have been good. So, yeah. all right, like make this one. Make this the one same terrible. as all the same. Yeah, oh yeah, make it a horrible question. Yeah. Please ask me. What are you inspired the by? The band for came the from. Yeah. <laughs> Let's ask something that we could find on Wikipedia. Please Let's ask me that. how to pronounce the band name. <laughs> um, uh, I guess I I okay okay yeah my, here, here it is. I want to ask right. about um your cover of Fast Car. Um, that is one of Ooh. my favorite favorite shushu songs um i love that song oh, and i was just wondering um if you just had any sort of backstory or anything about about that yeah i mean when i was a when i was a kid and that song that song was like it start it, it had a really odd trajectory mm -hmm. um so when M, uh so mtv used to have this show it was this was sort of i was Pretty little and this was sort of pre-internet so basically the way that you watch videos was on mtv mm -hmm. and they had a show on sundays called 120 minutes and this was also just before nirvana so kind of when nirvana happened kind of all music got mushed together but prior to nirvana things were very compartmentalized like you listen to hip-hop only or you listen to goth only mm -hmm. or you listen to metal only and then when nirvana came the sort of that all kind of went away and everything is kind of how it is um but 120 minutes was just essentially like the pre-nirvana alternative music they would you know have like you know, pil on the cure and you know bands like that on 
Um, but weird, like they had the Tracy Chapman song on it first in- initially because the song is astonishingly bleak. Yeah. Um, it was like a it was like goth kids dug that song, and then somehow, uh, I guess she had a smart manager. It became like an adult soft rock hit also because if you don't listen to the words, it's very beautiful. It's it's very very plangent. It has you know it goes from point A to point B very predictably. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't mean that as a criticism. Like it has a, right. you know, you can, you know, what's coming next because it's written in a very craftsperson-like way. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, I had heard it as a very young person, and I was, you know, the, the lyrics just talk about shitty things happening. The end. Like no, it, there's no resolution. <laughs> Nothing good happens. Very a shitty life. thing happens, and then a shitty thing happens, and then a shitty thing happens, and then the song is over. And there's this tiny sort of wish for something beautiful to happen in the midst of all that, but by the end of the song, it definitely does not happen. Yeah. Um, and at the time that we were working on the record that was on, that was very much how my life was, just unresolved shittiness after unresolved shittiness. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, I also, because, you know, when you're very, very young, the songs you hear when you're very young get burned into your mind and it's special way so mm-hmm. that song had always just been a big part of my uh you know kind of nascent musical consciousness and and because of that it's something i never did forget and then it that song began to as my life became almost unbearable uh, that song made more and more sense in a very direct and visceral way yeah. so it, it made sense for us to try to cover it and then also it's just like it's astonishing to me that a song that fucking bleak you hear in the grocery <laughs> store yeah yeah, I mean, that you day. still that you still would, yeah. I mean, you hear you hear the the actual recorded version and Muzak versions of yeah. one of the, yeah. the bleakest yeah. songs in now we, history. Now we need to get Luke Combs on the Neighborhood Radio and ask him why he covered Fast Car and compare the philosophical. <laughs> I think, and the philosophical... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's something about something about this with Luke Combs. Maybe I don't I don't know. Something... <laughs> no, I, I haven't um, heard it. How, how is this version? Not good. I think if you are listening to the song as someone who listens to music only to have your body subconsciously move to the rhythm, then it is a good cover of the song. Um, And I don't think that's hard to do with a cover of Fast Car. Um, Everything else about it contextually feels Um, (laughs) off-putting. Which I, I, I assume in a very different manner, but the same words could apply to your version of Fast Car as well. Um, but there's a sense of intention there. I listened to it recently for the first time uh, through a Zeke recommendation while I was playing a game of chess, and my brain couldn't function properly. Uh, every move I made was awful, and that was a really Fast special experience to have. Lives. Husband <laughs> lives. Drive slow. Take a train. Take a bus. Yeah. Walk. 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 Can't, I can't really do that much here, yeah, but remember, I'll, I'll try my best. I remember one time I was in the car with one of my friends, um, and it came on. Um, and that car, like, I love this song. And then after about two minutes, they're like, what the fuck? Turn this off. Like, this is like the fast car with my sleep, but it's sung by my sleep paralysis demon. Yeah. Fast car while you're drinking night quill. And yeah, so, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, I love I love that cover. That's really well yeah, definitely like that's nice. I, I think 
a lot of what you've said about the, the philosophical reasons for covering that song. Um, I think that it very much comes through um, in in your rendition of it. Um, so yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, anyway, um, I got a jet. It was very nice yeah. to talk to you, and thank you to everybody who wrote in. It was nice to talk to you too. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for being here. Thank There's a lot coming. of love out there for you from all over the world. So You're very very sweet. Okay, yeah. see you guys later. Alrighty. Yeah. Bye. 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 Alrighty. We're thank back. You, thank you, everyone, for uh, for that. That was as Jamie Stewart. Yeah, Jamie Stewart. Yeah. That was really good. 